Welcome into another episode of the Balls, Buckets, and Bull podcast. Today we are going to dive into a brand new sport for the podcast with golf. And what better way to kick it off with the Masters podcast? Joining me for this episode are some new guests to the show, Alex McKay. How is it going and how much money have you already put down on this year's tournament? <laughs> not too bad, Joey. Not too bad. Um, none yet, but it's generally my uh, heaviest money tournament of the year. So looking forward to breaking it all down. And also joining us for his debut is Paul Weatherby, hopefully soon to be Dr. Weatherby. How's it going, my friend? It's going well, man. Hopefully uh, soon to be. But uh, it's good to have me on the show and happy to talk about the Masters. Any golf questions you have? So excited to bring a brand new sport to the BBB podcast. Uh, Always welcome gaining new information. Well, we got a big show for you today. But before we dive into the Masters talk, how about the return of Tiger? He's second in money one and cut points this season with old lefty Phil Mickelson in first. Came in fifth at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, tied for second at the Valspar. This season thus far has shown that Tiger is back and looks finally healthy for golf. So, Paul, what does this mean for golf in general? I mean, Tiger coming back is probably the, the biggest thing that's happened in golf in a while. Um, I mean, he's been battling injuries for the last several years, as we know, and, you know, all sorts of shenanigans in his life. But he's driving the ball as far as he did in his best year and his furthest driving year. He's sinking putts. He's doing everything possible. And, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, in the first round of the – in the round of 64 in March Madness, actually uh, TV ratings plummeted during that first round in Tiger's final round on Sunday uh, on CBS to go tune into golf. So I think that's pretty funny, and that says a lot about his return in sports. I would admit that I was part of that rating ratings plummet. Uh, I was definitely watching Tiger on Sunday. McKay – do you think this has a strong motivation for other players to do well? I mean, definitely. And going back to what it means for golf, what it means for everyone is money. It means money for sponsorships. It means upward ratings on every single tournament. Um, I forget who it was. One of the pundits threw out a statistic that uh, the first Saturday that Tiger was in contention, which would have been at the Balspar, was the highest rated Saturday in the last 10 years for non-major tournaments. So it means money for everyone. And it also means money for us because the book odds are inflated on everyone else. Um, But in terms of motivation for other players, it's absolutely huge. You see interviews with players like Justin Thomas just playing on the course with him when he's in contention and they're amped. And it's a lot of the guys, the biggest thing for me, I think, is that you've got these guys in their early and mid-20s that grew up watching Tiger dominate and now have the chance to actually go head-to-head with him. So specifically for the guys that are in their mid to late 20s, it's absolutely massive. Absolutely massive indeed. So let's go into the Masters. This will be the 82nd year of the tournament held always at Augusta National Golf Club and is quite an event to be at. Paul, why don't you give us a schedule of the events and just kind of a general explanation of uh, why this tournament is so special? Right. So um, this is the 82nd tournament of the masters uh this course it's uh, augusta national in augusta georgia uh it's one of the most exclusive golf clubs in the world they they only give it to 
certain, you know, if you're a president, you'll get a membership. Uh, actually, a funny story, Bill Gates, uh, when he was the richest man in the world, he expressed interest that he wanted to become a member at Augusta National. And you're not allowed to express interest in becoming a member. So they denied his membership for another couple of years. And he was the richest man in the world at that time. But um, this tournament, it's uh, it begins, the first round begins on Thursday, April 5th. But uh, events for patrons are going to start on Monday where you can go in um, at Augusta, Georgia. Uh, it's really one of the most incredible tournaments of the year. Uh, you see even veterans hit the worst shots of their lives on Sunday, and you see unsuspecting people hit the best shots of their lives on Sunday. It's really a spectacular event. All right, so how does this course play, Paul? What are the holes like, and uh, what is it like for those players out there? Right, so unfortunately for this course, you have to hit long. There's a couple long par fours. You're looking in the in the. For those of you who don't know golf, you know, 450 yard par four to 500 par, yard par fours. You know, you have to hit pretty accurately off the tee and hit a long second shot. So uh, this course is very unforgiving. Narrow fairways, narrow landing areas. Greens are huge. Um, you have to. You're often stuck with 40 foot putts that you you might three putt. Um, and it only gets harder as the days goes on um, when they uh, place the pins. But the course layout, they uh, name every single hole after uh, a different flower and a different tree. Uh, I'm not going to go through every hole, but just a couple uh, memorable holes. Uh, we have Magnolia, which is a very hard par four. Uh, it's hole number five. Uh, Ray's Creek is uh, – notorious it's kind of how all golf courses have some little hard three-hole stretch uh they call it aim in corner and there's this creek that runs by that so many legends have hit their golf balls into and ruined their day on sunday um spieth included but uh probably my favorite hole on the course is number 13 is what you want to look out for it's a short par five hard dog leg left 510 yards it's called azalea uh there's been several epic shots uh throughout history on that course it's been incredible uh, if you hit too long off your drive you end up in the pine straw a uh, lot of good recoveries out of there a lot of terrible recoveries out of there all right so speaking of history you want to give us uh just a brief history lesson any notable years that uh stood out to you there paul yeah so i was just gonna say probably the first thing the first shot in history that really uh got the masters people looking at the masters was actually in the thirties, which is pretty crazy. Um, we had, uh, let's see, we had Gene Sarazen. He was three shots back from the lead going into, uh, one of the final holes and he holed out for a double Eagle on a par five. And then he ended up winning the tournament because of it, because he gained three shots off that hole and then it ended up uh, beating someone in a, a playoff the next day. Um, Probably the one that's, you know, since that's so long ago, probably the most memorable shot in my life. You know, I have to say it was Bubba's shot. Would have been his playoff win from right. the uh, from the shit. Right. So Bubba Watson on hole 10 hit a horrendous shot. It was a par four, 495 yards. He hit it so far. You know, he's one of the longest drivers on tour. He's very unpredictable, very entertaining to watch. But he hit a ball so far into the pine straw where he was essentially hitting a ball horizontally out back onto the fairway. But, you know, it's a it's a playoff hole, so, you know, you need to take chances. 
So he took a little 52 degree and hit it about a 50 yard draw, his draw, and it landed on the green and he ended up winning the tournament. And that was just so cool in a playoff hole, you know, at Augusta National, anything can happen on Sunday. All right. So now that we uh, kind of have a little history of what Augusta is like, what the Masters is like, let's go and jump into what we're here for today. And that's to really get some fantasy analysis for the many people trying to make their DraftKings lineups uh, this week. So let's start off with some key stats to look at before we dive into the players. So McKay, uh, what uh, key statistics are you looking at for choosing your players? And uh, does it matter how they've played recently? Yeah, so before I get into the actual stats that are going to be important, I'm going to go over some general fantasy strategy for golf. So um, unlike just about everyone else that plays DFS, I've been exclusively playing golf DFS for about the last three years. And I think my favorite thing about the sport of golf is um, how high variance it is. And I think it's probably about the least dependent sport on actual statistics of any of the others. I know you as a major football uh, DraftKings player and as someone who's just blindly followed all of your picks, is that is that generally the most uh, sort of the highest the highest up on your rating of what you look at is statistics? Uh, football and then basketball, I would say as well. Basketball, is, I think, would be the most predictable sport of all the DraftKings ones. Um, I don't know. Maybe NASCAR might have you beat uh, McKay with uh, statistics, but yeah, go ahead. No, fair enough. Well, I don't know shit about NASCAR. But um, <laughs> you know, when, we, when, we, when we go into what's important about picking a good golf lineup is really the major thing for me is ownership projections. Um, everyone is always trying to figure out who the chalk is in golf, and it's usually pretty telegraphed. With these majors, I think you have a big opportunity to get ahead of the curve on that. And um, what I'm going to be looking for at the baseline is strokes gain T to green if you go to pjtour.com is generally the biggest thing that lets you know if a golfer's on top of his game and it holds in tournament to tournament, but I don't use it as an end all be all for my picks. I use it as a baseline to sort of filter out, filter out some people and start from there. When it comes to the masters, it's one of the biggest tournaments of the year where what you're looking for is pedigree. It's one of the only tournaments that you see where people that are playing it for the first time, they get spooked. It's a major factor of how comfortable you are at the course. And so I'm looking much more into course history here then at other courses, a lot of guys, um, pundit-wise, don't take course history into a into effect as much as I will week in and week out. But particularly at the Masters, if you look at the leaderboards for the last five years here, you see some of the same names at the top of it every year. Right. So I've uh, wrote down a little chart here. So for the last five years for top 10s, Rory McIlroy's finished in the top 10 four times. Justin Rose has finished in the top 10 three times, Paul Casey three times, Lee Westwood three times, Jordan Spieth three times, and Matt Kuchar three times. And what I'm really trying to hammer home with this is the guys that have been here year in and year out and are comfortable at the course are going to be the ones that continue to play well. So a real good baseline for your lineup is to build a couple of guys that just have a history of doing well here. So absolutely, course history here is going to be fantastic. And really current form is going to be a little bit little bit less taken into account for me. All right. So now that we've talked about the tournament, uh, we know what things we want to see from our players. Let's actually talk about the players. So for this, we will be using DraftKings pricing to break up the players into tiers and starting all the way at the top, the top tier between 9,500 all the way up to $11,400. 
starting with old lefty Phil Mickelson all the way up to Dustin Johnson. McKay, which uh, which guys are you looking at to uh, start your roster with? Um, so for me, when you start looking at these guys at the top, the first thing you're going to have to decide is how many lineups you're playing. So I'm probably going to be playing between eight and ten lineups this week. So for me, I've got a little bit more flexibility to you know take a couple of these guys. But when you've got guys that are eleven thousand four hundred dollars, which is what I believe Dustin Johnson comes in at at, at the most expensive. If you're only playing one or two lineups, you're going to need to make a couple stands. So I'm going to go through a couple of the guys as we go down who I think are my hardest plays. But if you're not going to play five lineups, I would say in these top four or five guys, you're going to need to pick two of them that you just stick with and make some tough fades. But in terms of the guys at the top, I'm going to play Dustin Johnson. He's priced right. He's the number one golfer in the world. He's got you know sort of a hit-miss... Um, he's got a hit miss history at this tournament. Uh, Actually, yeah, he was the uh, highest priced uh, hit in the back miss. Oh, go for it. So, why do you like a uh, Dustin Johnson, Mister uh, Supposedly Fall Off the Stairs and Hurt His Back, uh, sober? Uh, Dustin Johnson. <laughs> I actually, I actually have, I actually have a very hot take on that. So you'll hear a lot of the uh, fantasy pundits talking about Dustin Johnson's uh, proposed fall down the stairs last year, and um. Some of the guys that my dad plays golf with actually play golf with Jimmy Walker's caddy. And uh, Jimmy Walker's caddy's take on what actually happened to Dustin Johnson is that he was thrown down the stairs by John Rahm last year. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about DJ, it's that he's always sticking his dick where it doesn't belong. And he doesn't and give a shit. Take, yeah, no, the hot, the hot take of that is that um, he was making some moves on um, some of his competitors' girlfriends and paid for it. So that's that's my hot take on the WD last year, which you'll hear, I think, variations of throughout the industry. But um, for me, you know, he hits the ball longer than anyone else on tour. He's the number one ranked player in the world. When his putter's going, there's not anyone that can beat him. And in terms of the guys up top, um, I'd take him over Justin Thomas. And I'd really put, when you look at these guys at 11,000, it's it, it takes considerably more out of your lineup to pick one of them than it does a Jordan Spieth or Tiger Woods. It gives you a lot less flexibility towards the bottom of your lineup, and I would take him over JT. Any uh, any takes here, Paul? Who who are you looking at in the top yeah. tier? Yeah, so I'm gonna. So I agree. I think he can do well, um, but you you know you said yourself that we need to pick people that have great track records here, and while he's played okay. I mean, I really – so I'm like what you said. I usually play one to two lineups every single week, week in, week out. So it really makes me think of who I really need to pick, who I think is going to deliver. And I think – I agree. I think Justin Thomas needs to be faded this weekend. He's one of the strongest golfers in the world right now, but um, I don't think he's going to win the tournament. I really think Spieth or even Tiger Woods. I mean, those people – those guys have – unbelievable track records here. I mean, Tiger won. He was the youngest player to win in 1997. He was 21. Um, He was the first person. That was his first major. And he's won here three more times after that. Spieth even broke Tiger's record. He was the youngest guy, uh, younger than Tiger's first age. And he ended up winning the Masters. I think even though Spieth has been playing not too hot right now, I think he's really going to turn it on for the Masters. I mean, his putting is still okay. But I would really fade Rory McIlroy this week. That's my hottest take. 
Interesting. I think, uh, I, think uh, I think it was David Faraday. He's one of the golf announcers. He was saying, you know, when you consistently have putt in the 100th or more, like in the PGA Tour week in, week out, he won a couple weeks ago. It's because he had a good putting weekend. But when you average that over a season and you're number 112, I just, you know, he might have a good weekend, but I could easily see him falling out and maybe even missing the cut. So just in terms of what Vegas thinks, currently they have Dustin Johnson and Rory tied at 8-1 to one as the favorites. Justin Thomas, 9-1. to one. Um, I think a big decision needs to be made in regards to Tiger. So if you're playing in the big millionaire maker, the $20 entry fee in DraftKings, there's going to be a lot of people who simply just pick Tiger solely because they've seen how well he's played lately. Uh, they they want to pick him because now he's back in golf. And, you know, that might, like McKay was look, say he would look at, it might inflate his ownership quite a bit. Um, McKay, what do you think your stance will be on Tiger Woods? Um, my stance on Tiger Woods will be a hard fade. And the reason for that, I actually was really hoping his price would come in higher. So the pricing for the this major was released before the weekend was played at Bay Hill which was two weeks ago at the Arnold Palmer, which where Paul referenced Rory McIlroy won. And so what you're going to see when you've got this pricing released about two weeks earlier than the actual major itself is you're going to see some guys who have their prices either deflated or inflated based on their performance over the course of the two weeks. And given that Tiger Woods is only coming in at 10000 which is the fourth most expensive, which is what he came in at at Bay Hill as well, and given his performance on that weekend, I think if the, this pricing had been released a week later, he would have been up on par with Jordan Spieth and potentially between Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. And what I haven't seen from Tiger, which you're going to hear from a lot of other guys in the fantasy golf industry, is his consistency off the tee. And he hasn't, he hasn't shown that he can hit his driver consistently. Um, he's shown that he can play his irons excellently. His putting's coming back. He really is... I mean, he's back for the long term, but I haven't seen enough from him. And given the fact that all these guys who are going to be coming in to play the millionaire maker are going to be all over him and Phil Mickelson, well, it's a really tough decision to fade both of them. It's going to be hard fades for both. And going back to what Paul said, I'm going to be very heavy, despite the fact that I am on Dustin Johnson, I'm going to be very heavy on Jordan Spieth in this top range, and I'm going to be very heavy on Rory McIlroy. And those are going to be the two guys that I'm going to play out of this top uh, top six or seven more than anyone else. All right. Any other takes on the top tier before we move to the next one? Um, coming off of my take that ownership's important with golf, which it really is, and I think more than other sports, it's telegraphed who is going to be picked and who isn't. I think the two guys in this top range, if you're looking to go very contrarian, are actually going to be – Dustin Johnson and John Rahm. So less so Dustin Johnson than John Rahm. But if, if you're looking at the way that lineup construction works this week, um, there's two schools of thought with PGA lineups going more balanced and going stars and scrubs. I'm sure this is something that exists in, um, in football as well. But taking someone like Dustin Johnson or Justin Thomas at the top is going to force you to go lower. Whereas when you take some of these guys in the mid-9,000 range, you can stack up on three or four guys that have been consistently good. Right. And that's really going to depress Dustin Johnson's ownership in my 
opinion. And also a guy like John Rahm, who's ranked number thir- number three in the world and hasn't quite shown his form over the last couple of years. Well, I'm not going to be taking him. If you're trying to go hard contrarian, I think you can't go wrong with the two of them. All right. Any uh, interest in the uh, Australian Jason Day? I do have some interest in Jason Day. If you'd paid any attention to the group me over the last couple of weeks, I was touting him quite highly. After watching his iron performance at the Arnold Palmer and watching his performance at the match play, it's getting harder and harder for me to be as as hard on him as I was. He just doesn't his his bread and butter of his game when he's doing well is his ball striking, and it just seems to be failing him. And this year, he's really stepped it up on the greens. He's in the top. 20 guys consistently in strokes gained putting, which, while he's generally a good putter, isn't something we we typically see from Jason Day. And despite the fact that I'm really, really heavy on Rory McIlroy, and Paul just pointed out that given the variance of putting, you don't generally see guys that are bad at putting consistently putt well, which is what Rory did at the Arnold Palmer. I just, I don't see Jason Day continuing it. And if he doesn't come into this tournament really on his game like he has been so many times in the past... I, I think he it's it's tough to justify his price up there. All right, so let's move down to the next tier, and this tier is between eight thousand dollars all the way up to ninety three hundred. From Adam Scott to John, throw Dustin Johnson down some stairs. Raw got twelve players. <laughs> got uh, twelve players in this tier. Um, some notable, I think, uh, Hideki Matsuyama uh, coming off a wrist injury, I believe. Uh, but interesting to see him down in this lower price tier. But I guess it makes sense. Uh, you got Bubba Watson, got uh, old Ricky Fowler, Justin Rose. Any guys uh, that pique your interest? I'll throw it to Paul first. Right. So uh, I'm going to say right off the bat, I don't think Hideki has what it takes, at least at this point, uh, to win a major. He's one of the best ball strikers on tour. He's coming off an injury right now. But as of right now, I think he will win a major at some point, but this is not the time for him to win a major. Um, you know, we're going, I, I really like to look at people who have won the masters because you never know what's going to happen on Sunday. And I've seen countless people end up, you know, to being tied for the lead on Sunday and then shooting, you know, four over par on Sunday and losing by five strokes. Um, so looking at the list, I really like Sergio. He's in full form right now. I mean, he's playing so well. He's uh he's made all cuts this season. He's had four top tens. Uh, you know I'm iffy on Alex Norin. Uh, he really has been. I mean, he got a third place in the in the Dell match play uh, last week in Austin, and uh, he's been playing so well. But but like we've been saying, like majors specifically, the Masters is a whole different ball game for playing well. And you really have to have nerves of steel to go in on Sunday and play well. Um, so my the picks that I would want to take from this are Sergio and Ricky Fowler. All right. And we can talk about Ricky Fowler. <laughs> yeah, so I think, I think my take from this range, um, I'm going to start off not with my picks, but my ownership projections. The, the three highest known guys from this range are going to be in order, in my opinion, Bubba Watson, Paul Casey, and Justin Rose. 
So just as I said in the upper tier where you're going to have the everyman just picking Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods off the cuff, um, the DFS Sharks have been playing Paul Casey in cash games for the last two years. He's been a staple. And he's done no better at any tournament in his history than the Masters. He's finished in the top 10 his last three appearances here. And he's also finally got the monkey off his back and won a tournament this year. And in the DFS industry, he was notorious for being the guy that couldn't win. So I really don't see that changing this week. He's going to be incredibly highly owned. When it comes to Justin Rose, Justin Rose has been the best ball striker pretty much on tour, as well as the best putter over the last six months, despite not taking home a championship since the HSBC in Hong Kong. And finally, coming to Bubba Watson, he was a guy that did nothing last year. He's a really hot, cold, emotional player. He's going to be massively owned given his win at the match play last week and also his win further back in the season. In terms of these three high ownership guys, the one that I'm really high on is Justin Rose. I love that in his playoff loss to, or sorry, not his, yeah, his playoff loss to Sergio last year, he came off the course and the first thing that he said was, this is a tournament that I'm going to win. If you look back at his track record, it's a tournament that he's absolutely excelled at. He comes in this year looking as good as he has any year, and he's really, between him and Spieth, my pick to take it. When it comes to these three high-owned guys that I'm going to fade, it's going to be Bubba Watson. Despite the fact that this guy's won the Masters twice previously and is also coming in red hot, if you look at his previous 8 to 10 years at the Masters, he either wins it or he finishes outside of the top 25. And really what I'm betting on is that he catches a bad break the first day. He's an incredibly emotional player. And if he sees something in golf, regardless of whether it's in or out of his control, if it goes against him, he's liable to blow up. Also, I'll, I'll caveat this. No, a little Ricky Bobby. And I'll caveat this with, I'm a big Bubba hater. I really don't like Bubba. I don't like taking him. But at, at, at the ownership percentage that he's going to command, both from the DFS pros and the people that are just looking at recent form, I think there's a massive amount to be gained from fading him this week. You do run the risk of him winning the damn tournament because he's won the Masters twice previously, which going back to my original statement that you know pedigree on this course is huge, definitely factors in. But he's probably... Between him and Justin Thomas this week, those are my two riskiest fades. Ricky Bobby, that's what I, that's what I'm hearing from Bubba Watson. <laughs> um, yeah, I I like those yeah. takes. I think Alex Noren is pretty interesting. Uh, I think he's played well. Like you're kind of saying, uh, there, Paul. I don't know if this course necessarily fits him. Uh, Justin Rose, I got to agree with that. Uh, he, this guy always every single year looks uh, is in the top ten. Uh, always makes the cut, always plays well here. Um, I think he's a great, consistent pick. Uh, any other guys that are piquing your interest? Um, you know, Paul had mentioned Ricky Fowler. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, you know, might might do do you do you some service there, uh, McKay? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mark Leishman. I love Tommy Fleetwood. I love Tommy Fleetwood. I, I've loved watching him play golf. He's one of the most fun people to watch this year. Um He's been playing well all year. The last couple of weeks, he hasn't played as well. He uh, he ended up finishing 26th in the Arnold Palmer Invitational, but he was coming off a, a four in the Honda Classic and then the 14 in the WGZ Mexico. And um, I would say basically to sum things up, uh, I didn't say this before, the top group that we were looking at, the 9,500 and up, you're picking a guy that you think is going to finish at the very least in the top five. 
and this middle group, you need to talk, you know, you need to think of who's going to finish where, because you're not going to pick a guy in the lowest tier group that's going to win the tournament. I mean, it's probably happened a couple of times in history, but you need to realistically think, you know, if you have a top tier guy that finishes tied for 20th, you pick the wrong guy, basically. Just while we're there, um, uh, McKay, what do you happen to remember what price Danny Willett was? Oh, shit. No, I actually – I owned him. I owned him, and I'm almost positive he was below $7,000, and I'm almost positive that I picked him because he was a Pat Mayo pick in 20 uh, – I think it was either 2016 or 2015. But no, I think he's the last really long-shot guy that has pulled this out. All right. Do you agree with what I said, Alex? No, I do because you look at the guys that have won this tournament for the last five or six years – um, going to 2012, you got Bubba Watson, 2013, Adam Scott, 2014, Bubba Watson again, Spieth, and then Willett at 16. And yeah, so he's lo- looking at the last 10 years, he's the only long shot that has come out and pulled it up. So I will agree that year in and year out, it's going to be guys that have done consistently well here that are going to, that are going to pay off. But you know, every once in a while you get a Danny Willett year. And I think we'll get into some of, uh, some of my guys that I think may, may surprise in 2018. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the next tier, and I would call this the first uh, middle tier between 7,500 and 7,900. Got ten players in here, uh, starting at the bottom from Daniel Berger all the way up to Louis Oosthuizen at 7,900. Uh, you got guys like Brian Harmon, Brooks Kepka, Matt Kuchar, Henrik Stenson, uh, Tyrell Hatton, McKay. Who are you looking at in this uh, first middle tier of guys to fill your roster out with? So there's a guy I've been riding for about the last four months. He's a guy that gets hot. He's a guy that's done well for the U.S. in the Ryder Cup in the past. He's a guy that actually has a pretty terrible Masters track record, but that I'm playing as a bit of a contrarian play, and that will be Fat Pat Reed. I know prior to this podcast, you were asking me who was the guy that was talking shit about Jordan Spieth, and it was, in fact, Fat Pat Reed. And I'm going back to him this week in this range. He's going to be my most played guy. Um, he really has a game that doesn't necessarily suit the masters, but his form coming in to me tells me he's ready to take a step up. And also he's a guy that can recover from his misses when he's got his head in the right place. He's got one of the best short games on tour. And when you look at the number of pot bunkers and undulated areas around these greens, you're going to need a guy who, when he does make mistakes, can get himself out of them when he's gotten his head in the right place. And I think Fat Pat is uh, steadily moving towards that. So he's going to be my most played guy out of this range with um, auxiliary shout outs to Brian Harmon and Xander Shoffley. So Brian Harmon's another guy that I've been riding pretty hard all of this season to a little bit of varying results. He's one of the best putters on tour. He's been to the Masters a couple of times, hasn't really shown that many fireworks, but I'm going to keep riding him. And we've also got a Masters rookie, which is usually a no-go in this tournament in Xander Shoffley. And the reason that I'm going to Xander in this uh, in this event is the pedigree that he's shown in highly competitive tournaments. So he won the Tour Championship as a rookie last year, which is something that's pretty much unheard of. He also has really competed in some of the majors last year. And despite the fact that it's his first time at this course, I really think he's a guy that can go out there and light it up. I don't think he's going to win, but from this $7,500 range, you need a guy that's going to finish 
in a round. I think you need you need upside of top five, but sort of median finish of top twenty five. And out of the guys in this range, I really think he's one of the guys that provides the most stability and consistency while still getting you the upside of the potential winner and potential Fat top Pat. five. How awesome would it be if they grouped uh, him and Spieth together? <laughs> Oh, I mean, they played in the match play yeah, last week. And he would, they played, they played, they played together consistently. Head head. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just feel like it would be uh, it would be even playing off of that even more. I would personally love to see that. Um, how about you, Paul? Who are you looking at in this tier? Right, so I agree with Xander. Um, I think he's a pretty secure pick. He's. I'd be shocked if he didn't make the cut for this tournament. I'd also be shocked if he won the tournament, but I think he's a pretty secure pick if you want a guy that's going to make the cut. And those sometimes you need those picks just to satisfy that six lineup. A guy, I, I agree with Fat Pat. I think he has the nerves to win this tournament. Um, he uh, he made a comment last week about uh, when he played Spieth in the match play. They asked him, uh, how's he going to be playing up against uh, – actually, to preface, they played the Ryder Cup together a couple years ago, and they were uh, buddies, and they played match play together against uh, the Europeans. Uh, so they asked him, how's it going to be uh, playing against uh, Spieth? And he said something about, like, backpacking the team, and it's not going to be a problem. Do you know the exact actual quote, McKay? forgot it off the top. Um, I don't know the actual quote, but yeah, the gist of it was they asked, um, are you nervous playing against a competitor like Jordan Spieth? And he said something along the lines of, you know, my back still hurts from last year at the Ryder Cup. <laughs> so I've got no worries. And then he went and he did end up and, being and Spieth. Spieth. Yeah. So, so that, I think that alone says a lot for his nerves. I think uh, he's a guy, if he can get into contention on Sunday, I think he can, he, I don't think he'll be one to shoot, you know, seven over par on Sunday. But then again, that's happened to, Several people. A guy I really like in this uh, tier group, um, I think Alex is, knows who I'm about to say, um, is Matt Kuchar. Family man. He's one of my favorite golfers of all time. Um, consistent, great ball striker, great putter. He's really come into form over the last couple of years. He, uh, he actually lost to Jordan Spieth in the British Open last year. Uh, but he was in contention the whole time. He was playing well. He's been playing well all uh, year. He hasn't missed a cut yet. He uh, he got fifth in the Waste Management, ninth in the Hero World Challenge. Um, I think if he's one that can kind of have a good Thursday and Friday, he's going to be a good pick going into the weekend, and I would not fade him whatsoever. Family man. And Paul likes him because he's a family man there, McKay. Um what about uh? What about guys like Tyrell Hatton? Any any anything pique your in, anybody else pique your interest there, Alex? Tyrell Hatton's kind of someone that everyone loves to hate. The Englishman. He uh, kind of has the same attitude as Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas, where you know he's a little bit of a bitch about things, but he doesn't have the name recognition to get away with it. So, looking at his tournament history here, he's played once or twice and done nothing, but he's really had a breakout season on the European tour over the last year and show that he can compete in the States. He's someone that's worth a look and he's definitely going to be low owned. I'm not going to be super on him just because of guys in this price range who I'm higher on like Reed and Shoffley, but he's definitely worth a look for someone looking to go contrarian because especially with the big names like Stenson, Oosthuizen and Scott right above him, and Kepka Kucher below him. 
He's going to go unnoticed. All right. So let's move it on to the next tier. The second middle tier, this is between 7,100 and 7,400. Got a lot of players in just this small price range. 14 guys all the way from Charlie Hassel Hoffman all the way up to Tony Finau at 7,400. Got guys like Matthew Fitzpatrick, Charles Schwarzel, uh Gary Woodland, uh, all kinds of names in here. So, Paul, anybody uh, you're looking at in this price range? So my gut instinct, um, I've been playing Gary Woodland in just about just about every week for the last year. Um, my gut instinct is to not have this guy play in this tournament. I think he has been playing well in the past. He has had a pretty bad month. He uh, finished 85th in the Pro-Am, 49th in the Honda Classic, 50th in the World Golf Championship out of 64 players, and then missed the cut at the Valspar. Um I think a lot of people are going to own him just because he is very cheap and he is a good golfer, but I think he's one to fade. I think a player to look out for in this group is uh, Shubanker Sharma. Uh, he actually, so he kind of came out of nowhere to the World Golf uh, Championship of Mexico. For uh, those who uh, don't know, the WGC events are, they bring in the best players from all over the world. So this guy is a, a Euro Tour player that doesn't really play in very many PGA events except for the World Golf Championships. And uh, they invited the 64 best players in the world. And he had the lead going into Sunday. He was playing out of his mind. He's 21 years old. He finished ninth in that tournament. He ended up having sort of a bad day. I think he shot like two or three over, but he didn't choke by any means. It was just all the other players just played phenomenally that day. Uh, And then he went straight back to the – hero Indian open on the European tour and finished seventh. So he's, he's a strong golfer in this little, if you have $7,100 to spare, I think he's someone to have in your lineup to look out for. I think uh, Cabrera Bayo always has a good track record. Um, I think he's one of the safer picks of this as well. Um, He's, you know, I love watching that guy. He's, he's an entertaining golfer. So part of when I do draft Kings, I really, you know, pick players that I enjoy watching as well, and I might lose money sort because of it, but it makes it that much more for a fun weekend so I can watch golfers that I actually enjoy and, like, pay attention to them. And Roberto cabrera Bay is a fantastic option, in my opinion. All right, let's throw it to McKay. Anybody you're looking at in this price range? So um, I'm not necessarily looking at Shabank or Sharma, but Paul does make a couple of excellent points there. So the 21-year-old does have two wins on the European Tour this year, and he did have the lead at the WGC Mexico. I think a really impressive thing about that tie for seventh stat he shows off in the Hero Indian Open is the fact that he made the cut on the number and came back and shot 62 on the third day. He's a guy that can really go low, and he's a guy that has come up pretty much out of nowhere this year. So for some context for that, there's about 17, there's 17 ways you can get into the Masters, and he got in none of those 17 ways. He was extended a special invite to this Masters from the Augusta Committee. So he's definitely someone that's interesting, but he is someone we haven't seen a lot of. In terms of DFS pros, I think he's going to be higher owned in that group of people than a lot of guys in this, in this, um, in this price range. I'm personally not going to be taking him, but he definitely is someone... Who's, uh, who's of interest in over the next couple of years is going to be an interesting golfer. Um, for me, my plays in this range is you've got a couple of guys 
well, one in specific, specific that's getting absolutely no respect, and that's in Zach Johnson. He's a multiple major champion at $7,000. He's won the Masters before. He won the British Open in 2016. And he's just surrounded by players who have really, they don't have the pedigree that he has. And while his history at the Masters is similar to du- or Bubba Watson littered with hit and miss performances, he's someone that has an upside that the people around him don't have. So I'm going to be pretty high on Zach Johnson, and I'm also going to be high on a guy um, who's at his same price, Ryan Moore, who's another guy who's a perennial sort of plotter on the PGA Tour who does well year in and year out, has several good Masters finishes, and is someone with an upside that a lot of these guys down here don't have. So the two guys that I'm going to be focusing on in this $7,000 to $7,500 range will be the two of them, with a little bit of emphasis on Rafa Cabrera Bayo. And the reason that I'll be on him is a couple of things that you can look at when you're doing lineup construction is compare their DraftKings salary to their world ranking to their uh, Vegas odds. And while that's not something that's going to do you well the entire time, you've got a guy like Rafa Cabrera Bayo who's in the top 25 in the world but is not in the top 25 of DraftKings pricing. So he's a guy that's clearly mispriced. All right. Um, Any other plays before we move to the last tier, guys? Yeah, I actually wanted to ask Alex the question. What do you think about uh, Kyrdek Afi Barnrat? Oh, what do I think about the Barnrat? Oh, man. He's he's another guy that's interesting. I'm not going to be playing him. I mean, he's he's someone... To be honest, the reason I'm not going to be playing him is pretty terrible. So if you look at the DraftKings way of showing the scoring of these guys, if you look at the guys around him, him and Sharma are showing five top tens this season and an incredibly high cut percentage make. And the reason that that is, is the tournaments that they're incorporating into this consider not only PGA events, but European tour events, Asian tour events, and mini tour events. So I would be much higher on Kiradek if they didn't advertise him so obviously on this. I think he's got good upside here, but I also think he's going to be a guy that people that know nothing about actual DFS golf, who are going to be the guys that take Phil Mickelson and Tiger at the top, are going to gravitate towards. And I don't think the upside that he has justifies picking him with a potential you know, 10 to 15% ownership in the All millionaire right. maker. So let's move on to the last tier, 6,900 and below. You got guys like Pat Perez, Brendan Steele, Jason Duffner. Who are you guys looking at at the very bottom, dirt cheap, uh, to round out your roster with? Right. I mean, going back on my uh, opinion that guys who are high in the world ranking and decent on betting odds, uh, Pat Perez is a guy that's hard to ignore. He's played the Masters multiple times in his career when clearly he wasn't the player he is now. He's coming into a bit of a career renaissance in his late 30s, early 40s. Um, At 6,900 and at 19th in the world, he's difficult to ignore. I'll be playing him a little bit, and he's someone everyone should be taking a look at. But he's also a guy that is sort of a king plotter, and it doesn't necessarily have any win equity in this tournament. So if you are someone who's focusing on cash games a little bit this week, I think he's a good pick. I don't think that's the play to do. I think you need to focus on trying to make the million. But if you are looking for a kind of a safe pick down here, I don't think you find a better right. one. Uh, Paul, anybody you uh, piques your interest in this price range? Right. So I agree completely with Alex. Pat Perez is a guy to uh, look out for for sort of a safe pick. I don't think he's going to win the tournament. I think it's entirely possible he makes the cut and maybe even finishes top 25. 
Um, a, a guy you want to look out for in the Houston Open uh, that happens this weekend, uh, or sorry, the the tournament in Houston, uh, is Martin Keimer. We kind of briefly discussed this before the podcast. Um, this guy is has had a little bit of a rough stretch, but he is an incredible golfer. Uh, he's priced at sixty nine hundred. Uh, I'm kind of waiting to see how he does this weekend to see if I want to play him. Um, probably the ballsiest pick that I can think of. Actually, before that, I see Danny Willett, who's priced at sixty eight hundred. He's missed four cuts out of six this year. He's not having a good year, so I would fade that guy. I haven't thought about that guy since he won the Masters. All right, Mick. Probably the ballsiest pick I could ever say that if you chose this and it worked out, you would win the million dollars is Angel Cabrera. That guy, he's a 2007 U.S. Open champion. He's a 2009 Masters champion. This guy plays in maybe five tournaments a year. This guy, I think he just smokes cigars on the beach the remainder of his time in Argentina. Uh, I think, you know, if you want to be the ballsiest person in the lineup, you would pick this guy. He scored, you know, substantially lower than the rest. He's only made one cut. But this guy has a track record of winning several PGA tournaments in his lifetime, several European Tour tournaments. He's had 52 professional wins in his lifetime and two majors, and I think that says a lot. And he has, I think, I want to say he's made the cut a few times in uh, recent years. And Yeah, so in 2013, he got second in the Masters. In 2011, he got seventh. So, And then he missed the cut last year, and he got tied for 24th the year before. So I think, you know, he's definitely not someone if you want to enter a cash lineup like a double up or something. But if you want to throw in a millionaire lineup, I think he's one. Okay, any players uh, left to talk about can go back into the tiers if you're just now remembering them before we move on to a little bit of strategy talk. Okay, anything that's uh, popping up on your mind? One thing that I'm going to say is that the Masters more than any other tournament of the year, major-wise, is you've got players that you can throw out. So because one of the ways that you qualify for the Masters is being a past champion, you have several guys that are in their late 50s and 60s that are still playing this tournament that are just kind of doing it for nostalgic reasons. And anybody under, if I'm pulling it up here, anybody under Johnny Vegas, and anybody under Johnny Vegas at 6,600, I would really take a hard look at. You do have some guys that have got into this tournament who have won major amateur tournaments in over the course of the last year. So you've got Joaquin Neiman, who won the Latin American Amateur. You've got Doc Redman and Doug Gim, who were the winner and runner-up, respectively, at the USAM. And other than that, everyone under here is an old past champion who you really don't want to take a flyer on. So in a lot of golf events, you can take flyers on some of these lowest-priced players, and the Masters isn't the time to do that. So I would really focus on guys who are in the 6,600 or above that actually have a chance here. And in terms of guys under 7,000 who I'm going to be taking a look at, Bryson DeChambeau is my pick from here. So he's a guy who is a PGA Tour player, does have some pedigree, and has finished in the top 30 in the Masters in his debut a couple of years ago, as well as challenged for the Arnold Palmer when Rory ran away with it. So he's a guy who's proven he can win. He won at the Wells Fargo a couple of years ago. 
isn't getting a ton of respect based on some bad form over the last year and a half, who I really think can sh- can flash form here. And two other guys down here who have really, really good pedigree in terms of establishing themselves as professional golfers are two other major champions, Jimmy Walker and Jason Duffner. These guys Jimmy Walker specifically isn't someone that you necessarily want to look too hard at. He's been battling with Lyme disease over the past couple of seasons, and I've been looking for him to flash some form. I have taken him a couple times this season, and um, I think he made the cut but finished just about dead last after the cut. And um, Jason Duffner's an, another guy that I can't really justify why he has this low of a price. He really, to me, should be up in the middle 7,000s. However, his upside is about the same as a whole bunch of those guys in the middle 7,000s, which I really don't think can win. But if you're looking for someone that's mispriced, okay. I, I would look at Paul, these two any guys any other players well. for you? Yeah. Yeah, I would just – I would reiterate, do not choose players under 6,600. Um, you know, I'm just looking at the list. It's, it's kind of funny. Sandy Lyle – uh, just for instance, he's, he's $6,100. It might be, you know, he's a previous master's champion in 1988. Uh, you know, he's missed the cut in several different masters over the years. Uh, he, you know, we had, we always laugh about Ben Crenshaw, you know, one of the best golfers of all time. We love Ben Crenshaw. He's from Austin, Texas, where we all went to college. And, uh, I think he shot, you know, his last masters was in 2015, our senior year. And I think he shot a 91 on the last day or something crazy, you know, cause he's, cause he's older and retired. And, you know, once you win the masters, once you're allowed to play in it every year until you die, as long as you're able to. So there's a lot of these guys that have won the masters previously. Um, Larry Mize as well. I think he won in like 1985 you know those guys you absolutely do not pick for this tournament even though they're cheap so don't go with like oh i want to pick a lot of nine thousand dollar guys and now i have six thousand dollars left i guess i'll pick larry mize because he will not make the cut because he's 60 years old 65 years old you know there'll be one of these guys one of these guys in the bottom 12 will make the cut and he will finish dead fucking last in the field i agree so it's just it's 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 not it's not worth it taking flyers on this. There's a lot of guys that are mispriced down here that you can get a more reasonable deal on. Right, but I think Angel Cabrera has the best chance out of all the guys in the bottom all twelve. Right. To so win let's the dive into a little bit of strategy talk. So McKay, in order to win this million dollar uh, prize, uh, you're probably going to have to d- deploy some game theory, a little bit of strategy. So why don't you give the people just a couple of ways they can go about doing that? I absolutely love how much pundits get into game theory on golf because it talks them out of some really good plays. So I think a couple of things here. I think there's two groups of uh, huge, huge groups of players that are going to be coming into this tournament this this year. It's going to be the first group of the people that haven't played DFS golf before and are getting back into it because of Tiger's resurgent. And I think those players are going to be going super heavy on Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, and some of these older names that they've seen perennially before. And what I think that's going to do is make both Woods and Mickelson quite overowned, despite the fact that they're both good contenders this year. The second piece of game theory I think that, or the second piece of theory I think you should focus on is the DFSers that are going to be 
um, plaguing this <laughs> this uh, this tournament, which they they always do in every DFS event. And what they're going to be looking at is they're going to be thinking that the guys at the top are going to be super low owned and under owned. And I think it's going to I think it's going to filter a lot of ownership up to Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson, despite the fact that if you listen to other golf podcasts, they're going to say that those guys are going to be consistently low owned. And for me, what that does for me is uh, I'm going to filter my ownership a little bit further down. I am going to have some Dustin Johnson. Like I said, I'm going to be playing between eight and 10 lineups. I'm going to have one or two lineups with Dustin Johnson in them. Other than that, my lineups are going to be starting at Spieth and McElroy. And I'm really going to be trying to pair Jordan Spieth with McElroy, Jordan Spieth with Justin Rose, and Jordan Spieth with Paul Casey. And essentially what I'm getting at is Spieth is my core play here. I'm really hoping that in the Houston Open this week that he doesn't do all that well because he's really underperformed people's expectation this season. And I think there's a lot of upside in taking right. him if he continues continues that this week. All right, so let's get into just a I'm couple quick my Vegas picks. So we'll start with Paul. Just give us, uh, you know, regardless of DraftKings salary, just a couple guys, couple guys you're looking at that if you uh, had to bet to win, uh, who would you pick? Right, so um, if I had to choose three players that I think are going to win the tournament, uh, you can't really stray too far down on the list on your DraftKings lineup. Uh, if I had to choose three people, I would choose Tiger, Spieth, and Alex Noren. All right, so actually uh... – if I was so the three that three, I was three looking people, at, and uh, you mentioned a couple three. of them, Spieth at twelve to one. Uh, I, I agree with what McKay's saying. It would be nice to see him uh, not do well uh, this week at Houston, uh, so that we can get a better number on him. Uh, but this guy always plays well as a, plays well at the Masters, uh, despite that meltdown uh, that he had last year. Uh, I think this guy can still win. Uh, he's shown his ability to go up to the top of the leaderboard uh, each year. Um, and then I like Alex Noren as well, 45 to 1 currently. Uh, he's been playing well. I don't know if the course suits him, like I was saying before, but I still like the way he's playing. And a long shot, we're going to go with Charlie Hassel Hoffman at 100 to 1. Guy shot a uh, 65 uh, for a four shot lead after round one at the Masters here last year. So uh, I think the old Hoff can, uh, might have a, a chance here. Uh, McKay. You're playing the big thumb. The big thumb. He, looks he looks like a thumb. He does look like a thumb. Yeah, but he is—he's quite the player for sure. He's fun to watch. I'll not be—I'll not be playing the thumb. I can assure you that. <laughs> um, in terms of in terms of who I'm looking at, I completely agree. I think Jordan Spieth is a guy that you just can't ignore, especially in a year like this where he's not quite getting the respect he deserves. I think he's a massive, massive upside player with not a lot of downside here. I also love Justin Rose. You look at his playoff loss to Sergio last year, and it really impressed me when he came off the green, and the first thing he said to the reporters is he thinks he's going to take this tournament before he's done. He's one of those guys that's in his upper 30s, early 40s, who wouldn't necessarily be someone you'd um, expect to compete with these younger guys, young guns, year in and year out. But I'm fairly confident he takes a Masters in his career, and if I had to pick one person other than Spieth, it would be him. If we go down and take some flyers here, um, 
I think we've got to go with a guy that I haven't uh, haven't talked about at all, and this is a complete homer pick. Uh, I got to go with Adam Hadwin, and that's the Canadian. Uh, gotta love the Canadian narrative. Being Canadian and watching uh, Mike Weir win in 2003 was probably my best sports moment, despite the fact that I was uh, was quite young. That's one of the most prolific sports moments I have in history. Um, that's a complete homer pick, and uh, love it. Gonna run with Hadwin on the actual betting card. All right. So before Won't we be get out of here, Kings, I so. know that you two uh, had a head-to-head bet, uh, Paul. Before we get into that, though, who's your uh, sleeper for the Masters tournament? Right. So uh, let me give a little bit of background. Uh, so Alex and I, for the past month now, we've been. Uh, you know, I feel like the main part about uh, fantasy golf is really choosing some of those lower lower tier guys that can end up, you know, finishing in the top twenty five because those are the guys that really make a difference in your lineup. So we've kind of had a little little bet going every single week of choo- choosing these lower tier guys and uh, going head to head. And I keep choosing a guy, and Alex gets really mad whenever I choose a guy. So he'll hedge a bet with me and choose another guy that he thinks is going to do better. And so far, I think I've won but three out of the last four, and then we tied the fourth one. So you've won, you've won three of the last three, and yeah, we've yeah, yeah, fair we, enough. We, we've tied one. You've won the last three. Right. So we haven't actually shared our picks yet for the Masters, but uh, we're going under seven thousand dollars. So I think the pick. Yep. I think. Uh, I think Jimmy Walker is going to do the best out of this out of this tier. All right, nice. I would have been pissed if you picked mine, but I'm taking the guy directly above him on the DraftKings salary, and I'm going Bryson DeChambeau. All right, it's Ro- a bet. Rochambeau. That's a bet. That's a bet. <laughs> so keep on the lookout. And yeah, uh, I think I think I think before we before we sign off here, one more thing to note is that there's some guys in the field that don't show up on the DraftKings pricing yet. Uh, they're guys that have qualified for the Masters by. Uh, virtue of being in the top 50 in the world rankings two weeks before. That's going to be Cam Smith, Dylan Fertelli, Sateshi Kadira, and Ches Reevy. Of those four guys, the only one I'd give any um, any interest Cam in – well, actually, I'd give interest to two potentially. Yeah, I'd give Cam Smith a look. And depending on how Dylan Fertelli does at the Houston Open this year, I'd give him a look. Also of note is whoever wins the Houston Open, if they haven't qualified yet for this tournament, they will qualify. They generally tend to be pretty chalky, and I would generally say to avoid them. All right, so to give the people just a little glimpse of uh, what kind of lineup we're looking at, we're going to make a quick DraftKings lineup. So with the first overall pick, McKay, which way are you going? Hitting us with Roy McIlroy. No thought behind it. That's the one. He's the guy. Love it. All right. And with the second pick, Paul, where are you going? Man, you're making it tough on me. Um, let's go. You know, I I love I love Sergio. Let's go, Sergio. Sergio Garcia at 8,600. So this leaves us with a little bit, uh, pretty close to $7,900 remaining per player. So I'm going to go low here um, and get us a little extra salary to uh, make some room with. And I'm going to go with the guy. He was the leader after round one. Uh, He is known for his uh, 
excellent lifeguarding skills, and that's Charlie Hassel Hoffman at seventy one hundred dollars. Uh, back to McKay, where are you going at? <laughs> All right, after you going with the big thumb, I'm going to do the exact opposite for you two. And I'm going to go all the way up to the top and I'm going to hit Jordan Spieth. <laughs> so uh, best of luck, guys. Leaving us with nothing. Paul, $7,000. $7,000. Where are we going? All right. Um, $7,000. Per player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the obvious pick is Zach Johnson here. I mean – Absolutely. He's, he's $7,000 right there. He is One underpriced, the like, McKay, uh, like McKay mentioned earlier. All right. Last but not least, yourself uh, truly. Um, seven grand left. We could go Duffner. We could go DeChambeau. Uh, we could go Pat Perez. Um, and you know what? I think that's where I'm going to go. Let's go, with, um, let's go with Pat Perez here. The other Love fat it. Pat. I'm I'm screenshotting that lineup. Yeah, Fat Pat V2. Fat Pat V2. I'm screenshotting that lineup. I like it. <laughs> okay, so just in summary, Rory at 9,900, Gar- Sergio Garcia at 8,600, Charlie Hasselhoffman, 7,100, Spieth, 10 grand, uh, 10.4, Zach Johnson, 7,000, and Pat Perez at 6,900. And that will be the podcast uh, DraftKings lineup that you will see at the top of the leaderboards next week. Um, to be honest, I'd say play more than one lineup. I mean, with these kind of millionaire maker uh, millionaire maker deals, if you're going to be one of the guys that only plays one lineup, just take two completely different strategies and play two of them and uh, give it a run because that's what really this is all about. It's about fun, and this is probably my favorite week of the year. I'm going to be super stoked. I'm going to be watching Masters clips nonstop while I'm you know, down in beers. Uh, and pretending like I was one of those guys playing because that would be the fucking awesome. dream. All right. But, so uh, other than that, yeah, just have Alex fun with it. And for Paul, be sure to follow us on Twitter at the BBB Pod, on iTunes at the BBB Podcast. Feel free to leave a fat five star review uh, if you win money. Hopefully, you win money this weekend or next weekend at the Masters. Um, feel free to leave a comment with uh, how you like the Masters Pod. Any any. Uh, any requests that you might have, but always give us that five star. So for Paul, for McKay, I am always Joey. See you later, folks.